Praise and worship is how we begin the service. And the reason we do is not because we don't know what to do with the first 30 minutes. You know, just, well, instruments, let them play, I suppose. The reason we start with praise and worship is God established that. After the Israelite people had gone in to the promised land, the people wondered because the Bible says that Caleb and Joshua died. And if you know the story, they were the two, the Bible says, in whom was the spirit of the spies who went in and looked at the promised land. They're the two that came back with a good report. Let me hear y'all say, a good report. Say it even louder. A good report. They came back with God's report. What God had told them all along about milk and honey, baby, was actually what they came back saying. But then they died. And the people were perplexed because these are the two men who led them. These are the two men who actually went in and did battle. And now they're dead, both of them. And the people were perplexed and they asked God and said, who shall lead us to go in now because Caleb and Joshua are dead? And God said, send in Judah. Send in Judah, for I have given the land into their hands. Now, you know, there was 12 tribes of Israel. Who here knows why did he say send in Judah? Because Judah means praise. What God was saying, everybody look at me. How many of you understand this is an archetype that we're talking about here? This is more than just a Bible story. This is illustrative of how he rolls, of how God works in the lives of his people. And how many of you are his people? All right, then this is for you. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Y'all know me. I'll come back there and get you. God has done all he's going to do already. If you come here and you're thinking, I'm waiting to see if he will, you're going to miss it because he already has. Everybody on this side of the room, let's divide the room. Let me hear all of you over here say, he's already done. done. Let me hear y'all say, what he needed to do. That's absolutely true. God has already done. And he had already done then. Because he said to them, send in the praisers because I've already done the work. All you have to do is praise me for it. How God manifests in your life, how miracles take place in your life, how provision is made for you in your pocketbook, in your business, in your marriage, in the lives with your children, in your thought life. The way all of that manifesting comes to pass is not because it all of a sudden happens. It's because your praise brings it into manifestation. And so we start service with praise because we're giving you the opportunity to check the box victory in your life right from the start. And we just figured let's call the church that. You know, that'll help them to hook up. Let me all say victory. Well, I'm so glad to be with you this morning once again. As Pastor Mira said, I've had the privilege of coming here and ministering for 20 years. Uh, How many of you, however, even though I've been coming 20 years, How many of you have never heard me? Raise your hand if that's the case. It's all right. Just a couple of you. All right. Well, to show you how highly I esteem you, I'll tell you about myself. As she said, my name's Kim. My wife Susan and I head up Kim and Susan Clout World Ministries. I grew up in church. How many of y'all grew up in church? My dad was a preacher. 63 years he preached. My grandfather was a preacher. 78 years he preached. 
And I've been ministering full-time 40 years. This is my 40th year. And uh, our ministry, if you're not familiar with it, has four portions to it. We have a Bible teaching ministry. Y'all like good Bible teaching? Amen. Got a good word for you today. Uh, We also do music. I'll play a little for you at the end. And then we have two outreaches that you partner with us in. And that is, first and foremost, for 30 years, we've had an outreach to the American Indian people. We've had an outreach to what I feel like are the forgotten Americans because they were the first Americans. I always say the ones that discovered Columbus. (laughs) Drop the mic. We credit him, but how many of y'all know they were already here? And they didn't come here to discover it, you know, that they were indigenous. They were from here. And so uh, we believe that as any ministry, our ministry starts at home. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. Starts at home. God does everything from the inside out, not the outside in. And so it starts at home. And so we've had an outreach now for 30 years to the Native American people of this country not only taking them the truth and the gospel, but meeting their physical needs as well, clothes, coats, shoes, blankets, food, over-the-counter medical supplies. We've also had an outreach not only to Indians, because we believe Jesus died for everybody, y'all. So we figure if he died for Indians, he died for cowboys too. And so we have an outreach to them too, and you think I'm joking, I'm talking about literally. My wife sings, preaches, does entire ministry services sitting on her horse. And she teaches the Bible using the horse as the illustrative example. The object lesson she uses to teach you the Bible is the horse. How many of you here already get her newsletter? Raise your hand if you get it. Wave your hands like this. A lot of you do. Isn't it good? If you don't get it, it's simply because you haven't signed up. It's free. Look at your neighbor and say, it's free. Say it in an exclamatory fashion. It's free. It is free. So if you haven't got it, it's only because you haven't signed up. There's a little book right back there. Put your email address legibly. He said emphatically, legibly, and you'll start receiving it. She uses the mirror truths of the world of Equus, the horse, and you're going to marvel when you see how many principles exist between horse and rider and the partnership that happens there. You're going to marvel at the mirror truths between your relationship and your partnership with him. How many of you understand she did a newsletter on this a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to borrow what she taught on. She said there's a difference in relationship and partnership. And this I'm going to use just to kind of whet your interest and say, well, that's good. I need to get that. See, people talk about today, are you in a relationship? How many of you, you know, I'm in a relationship right now. But how many of you understand a relationship is not partnership? And that's why people move from relationship to relationship to relationship. But when you move into a partnership, these are two people who come together with a unified purpose. These are two people looking at the same thing, facing the same way, thinking the same way, talking the same way. If you don't have that, you don't have a partnership, you got a relationship. And relationship comes and goes. Relationship often is driven by emotion. How many of y'all know somebody that's emotional? I mean, we all know. It's none of you. But emotional people are all over the page. They love you today, they hate you tomorrow. They're happy today, they're angry today. What's wrong with you? You know what's wrong with me. If I have to tell you, then I don't even want to talk to you. 
I'm a brother in the struggle. So here's the deal. God wants you to move from a relationship with him to a partnership with him. And part of the way you enter into that is what we were doing today, praise. And so if you don't get our newsletter, you sign up for it, and I promise it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, And so that's really the nature of our ministry. I, I was here to minister in December. And when I was here to minister in December, I taught on the idea Two principles that I was told from the time I was a kid. And the first one is Romans ten seventeen, which says faith comes by hearing. Everybody put your hand up and kind of lean in. I'm scanning the room. Y'all going to find out early on I'm looking for participation here. Thank you, ma'am. That's right. Did he do it? Check and see. Did he do it? Okay. All right. Elbow him if he doesn't. Faith comes how? By hearing. And hearing what? So we look at that principle, and then we looked at Proverbs 18, verse 20. And if we could, let's put that scripture up on the screen. Proverbs 18, verse 20. It says, from the fruit of his lips, a man's stomach is filled. Now, I've been in ministry 40 years, got to tell you, and I maybe have said this to you before, there are many things that I read in the Bible that I go, that's weird. And I'm telling you, it's weird. And, and, and it is because God said, I choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. My ways will never be your ways. Your ways going to have to become my ways. And this is one of them. From the fruit of their mouth, a man's stomach or a person's stomach is filled. You tell me what's weird about that. Theme from Jeopardy. Well, it's clear to me. How many of y'all have ever been to the Chinese buffet? Come on, y'all, you church people. Don't sit there and look at me and blink with a blank stare. What? What? How many of you know when you go to that buffet, you fill in the blank? Maybe it was the the Chinese part that threw you. You go to eat barbecue, you go to get catfish, whatever you like, shrimp, fajitas. Am I ringing some bells here, y'all? How many of you have learned it's what you put in your mouth that fills your stomach? But this scripture says, in fact, it's what comes out of your mouth that fills your stomach. And what we see here is an example of the contrast between the natural and the supernatural. In the natural, it's what you put in your mouth that satisfies you. But how many of you know God wants you to move, let me hear y'all say, from the natural. Let me hear y'all say, to the supernatural. Y'all got the line with swag, so pick it up here. God wants us to move. Can they do better? Let's try it again. Much better. And that's what we see here. The supernatural truth is super means beyond natural. It is the supernatural things that govern this life. And in the supernatural realm, it is in fact what comes out of your mouth that brings satisfaction in your life. And then the next verse, verse 21 says, for it is in the tongue that we find what? The power of life and death. And those who love it will what? So in other words, once you understand the principles of life and death, you can create things in your life that will satisfy you. You can create things. And by the way, how do you create them? With your mouth. With your mouth. Genesis 1, 3 tells us that God said, let there be light. 
And the reason he said that was if you know the two verses that precede, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 says, and darkness hovered over the deep. And then God said, and what did he say? You tell me. Here's what I want to draw your attention to. Notice what he said is in quotes. When you see something in quotes, what does that mean? He actually said it out loud. This wasn't a thought bubble. He actually said out loud, let there be light. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 begins how? And God said, and what he said is in quotes. What does that tell us immediately? He said it out loud. Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Here's what I want you to be contemplating. Hadn't made Adam yet. Hadn't made Eve yet. Who's he talking to? Stroke your beard. Hmm. Come on, ladies, by faith. Come on, guys, perhaps, by faith. Who's he talking to? Just think about that and let's move on. Look at verse 9. How does verse 9 begin? And what did he say? Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place so that dry ground will appear. It's in quotes. So what is this? What do we know about it? He said it out. Again, who's he talking to? Let's look at verse 14. Verse 14 begins. And God said, it's in quotes, so what do we know? He said it out loud. Let there be lights in the vault of the sky. In other words, you're saying this is complicated. What are you doing? He's putting the sun and the moon up there. So I'll ask you again. Who's he talking to? Because he's saying all this stuff. How many of you know he could have just gestured and all of this would have happened? But he said it out loud. Say it. He said it out loud. Look at verse 20. How does verse 20 begin? And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Any fishermen here? Where's Captain Chuck? Is he in here? Stand up, brother. If y'all want an example of a fisherman, right there, that man don't go fishing, he goes catching. And if, stand up, brother. He's wanting to sit down. <laughs> Truth is, he didn't want to stand up, but he's standing. There's a difference between catching and fishing, isn't there, brother? Only way you win that tournament is if you catch. And if you know anything, I mean, they've come up with many things now to help a, a professional fisherman to find fish. They have fish finders. They have a number of different things. And a lot of times in a tournament where you've got a set amount of time to catch fish and you're going to come way in. How many of you know in tournaments you can't tell them about the big one? It was pulling the boat. None of that. You come in and showing it and they weigh it, right? And so they allow you to pre-fish sometimes at a lake or you may go and pre-fish at a lake so you can find where is the water teeming. Y'all give Captain Chuck a good hand. He did a fine job there. Where is the water teeming? T-E-E-M. What does teeming mean? It's alive. Here's what I want you to picture. A lake that is mirror glass flat, 
but frothing with life. There is so much life, so many fish. God said, let the water team and let the birds fly above the earth. How many of you see it happens this time in spring? How many of y'all have seen uh, big flocks of birds that fly and it almost makes the sky black? And when they fly, they all fly in unison like a school of fish. How many of y'all see? Wave your hand if you've seen that. If you hadn't, you ought to get out more. <laughs> so God is speaking to the water and he says, let it teem with living creatures and let the sky be filled with living creatures. Look at the next verse. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and moves about in it according to their kinds. And what did he notice at the end? Let me all say it's good. Now look at verse 22. And then God blessed them. And what do we notice about what he said? It's in quotation. So what do we know from that immediately? He said it out loud. And he, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas. Now we've already read that the water was filled. But understand this, look at me. Every inch of water on the planet was filled with fish. The sky was filled with birds, none of whom had ever laid an egg. Stroke your beard. None of whom had ever, and none of whom, whoever would have laid an egg had he not spoke to them. Let me all say, that's good. How many of you understand things that have never produced before will produce when they're blessed? This is where God instituted that. Things that have never produced before. How many of you here have ever raised a teenager? (laughs) How many of y'all remember report card time? I mean, that was always an interesting thing. One time our son, instead of coming home with his report card, left. He's 12 years old. We didn't know where he was. I called him Zacchaeus because we found him literally up in a tree. (laughs) Didn't want us to see that report card. How many of you had this happen? You come home, you see the report card is not good. Does this help? What's wrong with you? How many times do I have to tell you? Bend over and touch your knees. Now, let me just say, I've done all that. (laughs) But does that make them immediately go from a D to an A? But you know what would? If you blessed them. Because you see, God instituted the principle right here. Look at me, this is important. If you don't get another thing in today's message, get this. In this instance, God instituted a principle. The things which have never produced before... The water's filled with fish. The sky is filled with birds. None of them had ever laid an egg. But when God blessed them, they began and they've yet to stop. Wave your hand and say, I know that's right. So things which have never produced before will produce when they're blessed. Is that in the Bible? Let me hear y'all say, is that in the Bible? So where's that in the Bible? Well, part of it's right in front of you. But I'm reminded anytime I teach in this, I think about this. How about Abraham and Sarah? Right? He's 90, she's 80. When God said, y'all going to have great, great, great grandchildren. How many of y'all know if you got a 90-year-old man 
and an 80-year-old woman. There was a country song out years ago said, it's a little late to do the right thing now. <laughs> huh? Come on, y'all. <laughs> what, if you, what if this past Thanksgiving you'd been at Nana's house and Papa said, all right, children, gather around. Before we pray over this dinner, Nana and I got an announcement to make. <laughs> But that's exactly what happened. Abe is 90. She's 80. When God takes him on a walk and takes him out on the beach to walk. How many of y'all like walking, walking out on the beach? A few years ago, y'all had me do the marriage uh, in Myrtle Beach. Y'all had a name for it. Marriage swept away. And we were, on, we were in Myrtle Beach. It was in February, so it was kind of cool. And I may have told y'all this story, but it was one of the mornings. I decided I'm going to get up early because I'm not going to be this close to the beach and not walk on it. I mean, y'all understand, when y'all walk on that beach, you got to walk barefoot with that sand coming up between your toes. How many of y'all like that? Now, it was about 50 degrees, but I was out there walking barefoot. And I looked, and coming a long ways away, I mean, I know you don't see people on the beach light years away, you know. And this couple's coming towards me, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And when they got right up to me, I said, what are those? And they both looked at me in shock. And I was pointing at the man's feet. I said, what are those? And he goes, pardon me, sir? I said, you heard me. What are those? What are you doing? And they both looked at me like I was a crazy person. He had on sandals with black socks. I said, what are those? What are you doing? Sandals with socks on? You know what she said? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. She said, I told him when we left the hotel, I was not going to walk with him. I said, take him off. She said, you heard him. Take him off. They don't even know me. Take him off. He took him off. And if you walked on the beach, you know you need that sand squishing up between your toes. God took Abraham for a walk, said, scoop up some of that sand. How many of you know when it's wet, it sticks together? But when it falls apart, it turns into a thousand little crystals. God took Abraham, 80-year-old man, excuse me, 90-year-old man, and says, open that up and look. And he opens it up and he says, you see all them crystals? That's going to be your children's 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 children. Then he took him for a walk and showed him the stars. How many of y'all know when it's clear? How many of y'all live in the country? I live in the country. I'm talking about turnip green, butter bean type kind of country. Collard greens, thank you, that's right, with vinegar on them. Y'all want to stop and just take a knee over that. Us. <laughs> Biscuits and sweet tea, glory to God. Glory to God. Some of y'all going, that's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> if you live in a country, you can look up and you see stars. And how many you know the longer you look, the more you see? God took Abe out and said, look up, son. That's going to be your children's children's children. He's 90 years old. He's not, he's not got no kids. Told Sarah, what'd she do? She laughed at it. Laughed at God too. But God blessed him. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. And he said, I'm going to bless you. 
Everything you touch will prosper. Everywhere you put your feet, I'll give that ground to you. And he said, you're going to be a father of many nations. How many of y'all have sung that song? Father Abraham. Hey, man, any of y'all know the hand motions to it? How does the song end? And I am one of them, and so are you. That all went down. Y'all keep in singing, but settle down. That's all right. Couldn't get him to talk, but they'll sing. All that started right here when God said, I will bless you. And anytime God blesses something, it'll produce. Wave your hand if you get that. So now they began to increase in number and fill the water in the seas. They continue to do that to this day. Amen. Now look at verse 26 for the sake of time. It says, and then God said, and it's in quotes. So we know he said it out loud. Let us make mankind in our image. Another weird thing. What's weird about that? Yeah, he's speaking in the plural. Some of y'all may be wondering, does God have issues? He is plural. In fact, he's a trinity. There's three portions to him. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody on this side of the room, let me hear y'all say, he's a trinity. Again, exclamatory from the back of the throat. He's a trinity. Now, we know he made us in his image. So we know conclusively if he's a trinity, what do we know about us? Say it. I'm a trinity. Say it. I'm a trinity. How do you know you're a trinity? Because he's a trinity. And you're made in his image. This is deeper if you're a car guy than you're built on the same chassis. If you're a computer person, this is more than you got the same motherboard. Look at me. No. You're created in the image of God in that he created the world with his mouth. And you create your world with your mouth. Everybody over here, let me hear y'all say, I create the world I live in. Say, God created the world. I create my world. Everybody on that side of the room, I live in a world that I created. My mouth frames my existence. Yeah. Y'all ever heard people say, I don't know why this happened. Yeah, yeah, you do. Because God said, I'll not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. How do you sow in this life? With your mouth? Everybody act like you got a 10-pound bag of seed in your hands. Get a 10-pound bag, put it out there in front of you. Come on, put it out there in front of you. Thank you. Now I want you to act like you're tipping a little out. Ma'am, are you doing this? Thank you. Okay, good. Everybody tip a little out. Say every time. Say it every time. Every time you open your mouth, you're tipping a little seed out. Now let me ask you this. If you plant apples, that is apple seed, what are you going to get? But if you plant ragweed, what are you going to get? And why is that? Because everything reproduces after its own kind. And it started right here. God blessed them and said, reproduce. He even said this to Adam and Eve. He blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. 
So God's saying to Adam, he's saying to all of creation. And by the way, I asked you early on, who's he talking to? The answer is when he spoke to light, he was talking to light. When he spoke to the water, he was talking to water. What? Yeah. God created a world that from the beginning responds to the spoken word. That's why the Bible says, if you don't stand up and praise him, the trees of the field will clap their hands. If you don't open your mouth and praise him, the rocks will cry out. That's why the Bible says all of creation is groaning and waiting for the children of God to be revealed. Because understand this, when Adam and Eve sinned, not only were they under the curse of sin, the entire earth creation was under the curse of sin. God gave Adam dominion and Adam's fall cursed the whole earth. All of creation has been under that. And that's why from the beginning, God said, I create a world where everything's everything. Everything responds to my spoken word. That's why God wants you to speak the word. Nudge your neighbor, say, speak the word. Some of y'all didn't nudge anybody and there's a couple of y'all here, I could point you out, need to be nudged. Nudge somebody, say, speak the word. What happens when you open your mouth? Everything. Now, I know there may be some of y'all back there right now, and you're thinking, he's large, and he's noisy. That's the conclusion I've come to. He's large, and he's noisy. But you may be thinking to yourself, you know, I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe just because you say something. I don't like being around people that are always saying, don't say that. Because I don't believe just because you say something. There may be some of you thinking that. To which I want to respond, really? Really? You don't think what you say impacts your life. Let's be real. There are men in this room, I suspect, right now, who at some point in their life purchased a bedroom suit. A mattress they themselves sat on to determine if it was comfortable. Paid for it with three easy payments. <laughs> However, there have perhaps been nights he didn't sleep on it. Though it was comfortable, though he paid for it, though it's in his bedroom, he didn't sleep on it. And you know why? Because of something he said. Don't tell me that what you say doesn't impact your life. There are people who got a job because of something they said. There are people who've lost a job because of something they said. There are people who got married because of what somebody said. There are people who got divorced because of what somebody said. There are people who created life because of what somebody said. And there are people who've took one. Say it again. There are people in counseling the world over because of what somebody said. Of course, what you say impacts your life. And that's because you can't undo the plan of God. He put it into place from the outset, from Genesis, that the world responds to the spoken word. Your life 
responds to the spoken word. When Jesus is with the disciples and they're out in a boat and there's a storm, there's wind and waves, and these are professional fishermen, some of them, y'all, made their living catching fish. And there's a big storm and waves, and even these professional fishermen are afraid. And parenthetically, what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. That's a sermon in itself, y'all. <laughs> Sleeping. And he woke him up. Hey! Hey, wake up, Rabbi! What did he do when he woke up? He spoke out loud? Absolutely. Who'd he talk to? The wind and the waves. Peace. Be still. How is it he could say that? You're thinking, well, it's because he was Jesus. Well, that's part of it. But the whole truth is because from the beginning, God created a world where it responds to the spoken word. Stroke your beard. Let me all say that's good. That is why what you say is so important. You know, there are people that say, well, I just don't believe because I say it. Well, Jesus said you're going to give an account. Amen? And what did he say we'll give an account for? Every word you've spoken. Again, weird. I mean, I don't mind telling you, when I've read that time and time again, I've thought, that is a little over the top. You're going to hold me accountable. I've lived nearly 60 years. You're going to hold me accountable for every word I've spoken. I'm not even married to you. My wife can tell me everything I've said in my lifetime. But here's God saying, you're going to give an account for every word you've spoken. I thought, isn't that over the top? I actually said this to the Lord. One day in my prayer time, I said, why would you hold my feet to the fire about everything I've said? You know what he said to me? Look at me and get this. He said, son, I hold you accountable for every word you have spoken because you're created in my image. And I hold myself accountable for every word I've spoken. He said, that is why I said heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall remain. That's good, y'all. So you see, it is by your mouth that you'll live or die. Not only in this life, but for eternity. For the Bible says, though it's with your heart that you believe, it's with your mouth you confess unto salvation. King David said, put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Everybody put your hand up there and put a guard over your mouth. Are we trying to protect what goes in? No, Jesus said, it isn't what goes in you that will defile you. It's what comes out. Put your hand up there again. Say, put a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Let the confession of my lips be pleasing unto you. Let my words be your words. I'll close with this. When God called Jeremiah in the first chapter of Jeremiah, verses 4 through 10, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, before your daddy said, it's a boy, I knew you. In fact, before your mama knew you were there, I knew you. And God said, I didn't just know you, I knew the end from the beginning. 
Later, he told him, I've known the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a hope in the future. All that took place the minute, the first time the, the sperm joined with the egg and the first cell separation took place, boom. From that instant, God, look at me. That's not just for Jeremiah. That's an archetype for you and I. God has a destiny, a plan, and a purpose for every one of you in this room. But if you know the story, he revealed a little bit to Jeremiah as a kid. He said, you're going to build up and you're going to tear down. You're going to create and you're going to destroy. And Jeremiah said, I'm thinking you got the wrong person. Because he said, I'm only a child. I don't even know how to speak. How many of you can see that was a lie? He interrupted God to tell him a lie. I don't know how to speak. Well, you're talking, son. And God looked at him immediately and concluded, I can see right now your mouth's going to be a problem. How many of you have ever been told that? How many of y'all have ever had people look at you and say, your, your mouth could be the problem in this whole deal? How many of you didn't have to have somebody tell you, you knew that going in? Perhaps you told them, full disclosure, my mouth could be a problem. But what God said to Jeremiah, he said, son, I'm going to reach out. Jeremiah said he reached out his hand and he touched my mouth. And he said, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. You want to move from the natural to the supernatural? Get his words in your mouth. You want to be victorious over glaucoma, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, depression, can't pay my bills, we're going under, we can't conceive, we don't own a home, anything in your life, you want to come over that, you want to be victorious over that, get his words in your mouth. Bow your heads, close your eyes. This principle I've taught on today, kind of like part two to to what I did when I was here in December, I, I, I make no apology for bringing some repetition here because the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. There's not a husband in this room that hears what his wife says the first time. It usually takes several times. And that's the way it is with the spoken word. You need to hear it repetitiously to get it down in your spirit. So I pray today you'll understand the impact your mouth has on your life. That you create your world with your mouth.